0: Welcome to Naked Without Shame: Theology of the Body and What It Means to be Human Person. My name is Kelly Reed and I am your host. and I'm Kerrigan Gardner, Kelly's co-host. Yes, And we'll be right back.
1: Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Open your hearts. Open up your hearts to Christ. There is in life is a joy that comes from God and is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world.
0: Well, welcome back. And before we get started tonight, I'd like to invite you to become a part of the Awaken Nation. Um, If you enjoy any of the content that this ministry is putting out, and there's so much of it, um, we'd love to have you be a part of this. And... Anything you can do to help support this ministry would be welcome. As much as a cup of coffee a week or you could do a regular donation or just a one-time donation. But if you have interest in that, we would sure love to have you be part of it. And you can go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. And while we're on that subject, I'd like to tell you about a new app that we have. It's called the Awaken App. And it's the way where you can get all of the wonderful material that is being put out by Awaken Catholic, videos and podcasts and talks and music and prayer, become a part of the community. Um, It's a little bit different than your typical app. You don't go to the app store, but you go to theawakenapp.io and you can download it. So we'd love for you to consider that. And that way you can have all the content at your fingertips.
1: And another app we want to shout out is the Hallow app. So this app is really cool. It's kind of like your one-stop shop to elevate your prayer life. Um, I really like it for the daily gospel, there's a rosary on there, and especially during Lent, or Advent, goodness, especially during the season of Advent we're in, there's a lot of cool content like Christmas music and Advent challenges. So if you would like to try one month free of their premium version, you can go to hallow.app/awaken.
0: Okay, thanks, Kerrigan. Mm -hmm. Um, Tonight what we're going to do, tonight's episode is called In a Nutshell. So basically what we're going to do is go back and look at – to synthesize what we've done in the past, what Theology of the Body is, and then we're going to really focus on how that can be applied to our lives and to moral issues, especially the the sexual moral issues that are um, just – such a big deal today to so many people and uh, mm-hmm. just thought that would be a good way to kind of sum it all up and make it easy to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just to kind of review and uh, feel free to jump in if there if you have any oh, insights okay. on this. Um, we started talking about God as love and we look at the triune God within the Trinity. And within that triune God, we see this communion or this community of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, where there is a, a A complete giving and receiving of love. And um, so we are created, God creates us as male and female and he stamps within our bodies this call to be a gift Mm -hmm. to each other. And we are called then to reflect how God loves in the Trinity. And these demands of love are already written within our hearts. It's something that you know, is, is already there. We don't have to learn it. It's just part of, you know, who we are as human beings. And so this call of complete self-donation when man and woman come together and give themselves as a gift to the other allows us then to have an understanding of God who is Mm -hmm. invisible. So basically marital love makes visible what is invisible, which is, which is God. So God creates sex, you know, for, for this reason. And um, it is sacred and it is holy. And so much so that God actually puts a boundary around it. And we call that boundary marriage. So marriage is a really big deal. And this is why I think the church works so hard at um, protecting marriage. And it's within marriage that the sexual gift of man and woman to each other in the marital act can only be expressed as a reflection of God's love, accurately. Any time it takes place outside of that context, um, then it's a misuse of the gift of sexuality, the misuse of God's plan for sexuality. And so mm-hmm. we look at the marriage covenant as that protection, that wrapper uh, around which, you know, this the sexual union can reflect how God loves freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully.
1: Right. And it's, I think it's really cool because from the very beginning of a marriage, you have the vows, mm-hmm. and that really sets the stage. And so in the vows, you know, we see free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Yes. So can you explain where exactly um, those play Certainly. out in the vows? Yes,
0: yes. In a Catholic wedding, um, the, the vows that take place are— you know, are consistent. And I think in, in most marriage ceremonies, you're always going to be talking about consent and commitment and those things. But we do actually see in the Catholic vows, the free, total, faithful, fruitful. So when a couple comes before God and the minister of the marriage, whether it's a priest or a deacon, um, they're going to be asked some questions. And the first one would be, have you come here freely without reservation? So that's your free. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, to give yourselves to each other in marriage. That's total. Okay. Will you love and honor each other as man and wife for the rest of your life? Faithful. Mm -hmm. And will you accept children lovingly from God and bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church? Fruitful. So we do see that actually in the marriage vows. And I remember when I was first learning about theology of the body and um, free, total, faithful, fruitful, fruitful, and I was at a wedding and I heard the vows and a light bulb went off because I didn't <laughs> I didn't know it, yeah, and uh, I yeah. thought, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Nobody mm-hmm. ever explained that to to my husband and myself when we were doing our marriage prep or anything like that. So um, it was it's really beautiful. And in mm-hmm. within marriage, you know, husband and wife receive a sacrament, the sacrament of marriage, but they also become a type of sacrament because a sacrament is an outward sign mm-hmm. that gives grace, and so. What this couple is doing um, by being married to each other and then actually when they become one flesh, then that is is an experience where they're actually making, again, visible the invisible, which is how God loves.
1: That's so So. cool. And especially, I shared this in a previous episode, but you were my Theology of the Body high school teacher. Mm -hmm. But even when I got married about a year and a half ago – yeah, that those thoughts weren't coming in my mind. Like, oh, there's free and Mm -hmm, I can mm -hmm. spot total and faithful and fruitful. So even just
0: learning it now, I'm like, wow, yeah, those, those vows are really meaningful. Yeah. And I, and I will tell you, I've been married a long time, but, um, Theology of the body is like, it's like an onion that you peel and and there's just so many layers to it Mm -hmm. and it becomes richer and richer. And it just was amazing to me, even within our own marriage, as I was learning theology of the body, just the beauty of God's plan that we just, I guess, took for granted or were completely ignorant of, you know, within our own marriage. And it just, it just really deepens the appreciation of the sacrament and the understanding of you know, God's love within the Trinity and how we are, we're called to reflect that. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's really profound. And I think that as a culture, if we could get a handle on that and really do um, include this in our marriage prep, that I think couples Just might have so much more insight going into it. I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly, I hate to say I was kind of young and dumb, and by the grace of God, it worked. (laughs) But um, you know, just to be armed with that—the beauty of it, and the truly the grace of the sacrament—that can um, can help us along. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Absolutely.
1: And I'm a newlywed, so I'm like, I have so much to learn. So (laughs) theology of the body, like these constant refreshers. I, it is like an onion, just. Keep yeah. on peeling it and keep
0: on learning. Right. It's lifelong. It's lifelong. That's mm-hmm. just so much so much beauty. And I think in our church, there's so much beauty. But there's so many misconceptions, too, especially when it comes to human sexuality and what the church teaches and why it teaches as it does. And um, I think the church gets a bad rap because... People think, oh, the church is down on it. You know, sex is bad and all of this. And, I, you know, to some degree, I remember kind of hearing that when I was growing up because everything was like, no, 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 no. But that's really <laughs> yeah. not what the church is about. The church is about, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. But within the context that God has planned it. And I think, you know, for me and I think for, for most people, you know, we we can be told information uh, or told guidelines or told rules or whatever it may be. But for most people, you get to a point and you're not going to follow it blindly. I mean, God gave us an intelligence so we can discern things. And if we don't know the reason why, then, you know, we're going to walk away from it. I certainly did in my own life. I mean, there are times when, you know, I just disagreed with things and I thought, well, the church doesn't know anything. I know more, obviously, so so I walked away. And um, I think it's so important that we are able to explain the whys. And when we know why, then, um, you know, we can make a more informed decision
1: right? right. what we want to do. And, like, the church gives us constant examples of Mm -hmm. how it embraces theology of the body, whether that's, like, the actual church building or – you know moments during mass really all of mass mm-hmm. but can you walk through
0: some of those examples of how the church embraces theology of the body sure yes and i think the mass is the you know that is the primary and that because it's a source and the summit of all that we believe um the primary example of that but um as you were talking it made me think of of one example in particular um if you've ever looked at a picture of the altar at St. Peter's Basilica. Um, the altar is in, obviously in the, in the middle of the, of the church. And then above it, there are like these four pillars and then it, it looks like it's got uh, a canopy over it. And, and that actually is a canopy of sorts. Um, and it's to represent the canopy over the marriage bed. Now, Before people freak out about all of this, because when you start thinking, oh my gosh, what are we getting at here? Um, None of this is meant to sexualize the Eucharist at all. But what the symbolism tells us is that during Mass on the altar, Christ, who is the bridegroom, gives his body, which is the Eucharist, to his bride, the church, so that we can have eternal life. So... The love of man and wife as a total gift to each other makes God's love visible to the world, and husband and wife renew their wedding and vows, their, their wedding vows through the one flesh union whenever they you know um, experience the marital act within marriage. Yeah. but we renew our love and union with Christ every time we receive his body in the Eucharist. So this is not to sexualize the Mm -hmm. Eucharist at all, but rather to show the sacredness and sanctity of the marriage act. I mean, and that's really huge. If we think about that, you know, that Jesus gives himself to us in the Eucharist to become one with us. And you can't get any closer to Christ than through the Eucharist. When we receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, he becomes a part of Every cell in our body, even husband and wife, cannot become that close mm. in the marital act. Right. So it's it's just another way to show us um, how important that is and how beautiful mm. it is and how the church, again— holds the marital act up as something holy and sacred and we must take great care with that the same way we would with the eucharist which is Mm -hmm. even greater than that right so
1: i have to look up an image of that canopy i don't think i've ever seen it before yeah we should have had a picture we we could have (laughs) no worries we can google everything instantly yes but so that has me thinking it's a pretty specific question but when you talk about The union with Christ in the Eucharist and the parallels with marriage, how come the church lets couples get married um, and the couple gets to decide whether they want to have a full mass with communion or they can have more so like a ceremony with the readings, the vows, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then it's over. And both are valid marriages. Mm -hmm. The church lets the couple decide, but why don't they make... The Eucharist mandatory?
0: That's a really great question. That's a really great question. Um, And certainly that is an option for the couple, Mm -hmm. but the church does allow the couple to decide that because when a couple gets married, the sacrament that they're receiving is the sacrament of marriage. Okay. To incorporate the Eucharist with that, would be a beautiful, say, icing on the cake. Okay. But it is not something that would be required. And I think sometimes, because you can have a, a marriage where, you know, one of the spouses is not Catholic, and so the church is sensitive to that. They want to make sure that, you know, that spouse is not going to be uncomfortable if they can't participate in the Eucharistic celebration. So it really is up to the couple if they want to do that. But no, that's a great question.
1: Okay, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, um, I think the, what we need to do in this program is to take all of the information that we have learned through theology of the body and what it means to love freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully, and kind of synthesize that down into what I like to call a measuring stick. And what this does is it allows us to understand. Why the church teaches as it does. Because this is God's truth, and the church has been given the responsibility to articulate that through the magisterium and to respond to the times and to the situations and the culture today. And we just, we are such, an as we've talked about before, an oversexed, oversexualized culture. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these things, there's so much confusion with them. So I think this makes it very, very easy if we can just kind of, you know, break it down that way.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: absolutely, I like to look at it as as that, um, the four legged stool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where you have to have all four legs. Otherwise the stool's going to fall over. So if we look at the, the four legs as free, total, faithful, and fruitful, then we can put any kind of situation we want in terms of sexual morality up against it. And we can ask those questions and we can see then why the church would teach as it does about God's great plan for human sexuality. So I've picked, let's see, We have six probably of the most predominant issues, and just in a nutshell again, so that we can understand why the church teaches as does. And of course, I would encourage everyone to do their own research on this between – Holy Scripture and definitely the Catechism. We've talked about the Catechism as a wonderful resource. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you can always go to clergy or theologians. There's so much great literature out there to get clarification, papal documents, encyclicals um, to to add to all of this. But we'll keep it really simple tonight. Mm -hmm. So the first uh, topic we're going to talk about is um, premarital sex or fornication. Now, if you read the Bible, you're not going to hear the term premarital sex, but you will see fornication. <laughs> and scripture doesn't have a whole lot of good things to say about fornicators, but, but basically what that is, is time that a person would have sexual relations outside of marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so why would that be a misuse of the gift of our sexuality? I mean, why does the church teach that that can be very sinful? So let's look at it. Can it be freely entered into? Yes. And we'd say, yes, yes, absolutely. Because if it's not, then it's a crime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it a total gift of self?
1: Yes. Well, not within the context of marriage. Right.
0: Now we could certainly say in the actual act, it mm-hmm. could be a total gift, but it's really not a total gift of self because when we give of ourselves, it's not just the physical. The The call to be a gift of self-donation is to give all of myself. To the other, and so we might think we're giving all of ourselves to the other, except that we haven't made any kind of formal commitment. There's no um, commitment till the the rest of your life, Um, and so we can't say, well, it is a total gift of self because it might not be, you know, until the next better person comes along or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of a one night stand, I mean, who knows? Who knows? So it is not considered a total gift of self because there is that lack of commitment. So that's, that's one of the legs that's um, not there. So the next one would be faithful. And again, people could debate this. Well, yes, I'm faithful to my boyfriend and he's faithful to me. However, there has been no commitment made, Mm -hmm. no commitment made. So really it's not faithful. And they haven't professed that faithfulness to each other in more of a formal setting. So it wouldn't be considered faithful. Faithful for the moment, but certainly not that commitment is Mm -hmm. not there. And then fruitful. Well, open to life. If it's fruitful, then we have a situation, you know, because then we have a pregnancy outside of wedlock, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we can talk about that, all kinds of reasons why that could be very difficult for a couple. And it certainly is outside of God's plan because God has planned that children should be conceived in the loving embrace of their parents who are married and committed to each other. So that is why the church would say, or God's truth tells us, that sex outside of marriage is a misuse of that gift of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, if it met the criteria, sin. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's fornication, premarital sex. Um, And people will go, well, but we love each other. Well, that's not one of the criteria. mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously, it's nice to have love in those situations, (laughs) yes, but that's not one of the criteria. So the next one, and this is probably a little bit easier to understand, would be infidelity or adultery, okay? Mm -hmm. So adultery, obviously, is when someone has sexual relations outside of the marriage that they are already committed to with their spouse. So freely entered into, let's see, yes? Mm -hmm freely entered into. Yep. Uh, is it a total gift of self? Nope. Nope. Can't be. Because how can you give all of yourself to someone when you've committed yourself to somebody else? Exactly. So it's not a total gift of self. <laughs> right. Rather hypocritical, actually. Is it faithful? No, no, not faithful. Is it fruitful? Well, it could be. Yeah. And then, then we have a situation. Mm-hmm. So adultery, you know, infidelity is, is also a, Great misuse of the gift of our sexuality.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay. Next one, masturbation. And, uh, you know, masturbation is when we turn that desire for sexual pleasure in in on ourselves rather than sharing it as a gift. And people go, I'm not hurting anybody, but let's see why, you know, God says that it's a misuse of the gift of sexuality. Freely entered into. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's got a gun to someone's head if they're right. if that's what they want to do right. is it a total gift of self no no we're giving ourselves <laughs> to ourselves So it so yeah. really is not it's not the gift okay is it faithful i suppose you could argue that it's faithful <laughs> yeah, because you're not God, cheating you that on one. <laughs> yourself is it fruitful No. no it will never be fruitful so masturbation is a misuse of that gift of sexuality again mm.
1: We have some wobbly stools. Yeah, a lot of wobbly (laughs) stools.
0: Okay, so what about contraceptive sex, even within marriage? Okay. Um, So contraceptive sex would mean we are doing something intentional to separate the unitive and the procreative aspects of sex so that there's no conception that would take place, no procreative activity. So why is that a misuse of the gift of our sexuality? Is it freely entered into Yes, yes, certainly. Hope so. It is in marriage. Yes, freely entered mm-hmm. into. Is it a total gift of self? No, no, it's not because it's basically, I would be saying to my spouse, I give all of myself to you, except my fertility, right. or I receive the gift that you are, except keep your fertility away from me. Mm. So it's not a total gift of self. It's actually we're lying. With our bodies, because we're saying one thing and doing another in mm-hmm. terms of the gift of
1: yeah, self-donation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Is it faithful? Certainly. Yeah. It could be faithful. Hopefully it is within marriage. Mm-hmm. Is it fruitful? No. Nope. That's the whole reason why we contracept. <laughs> so it's not fruitful. Yeah. Um, so this is why contraception, and that this is a whole other topic that we will do a program on um in and of itself but contracepted sex even within marriage because if it's outside of marriage then it's also fornication but um is is a misuse of the gift of sexuality mm-hmm. and before all of the wonderful married couples who are watching this who have contracepted within their marriage um not judging you not condemning you in all honesty I contracepted for years before I understood the church's teachings, so I totally get it. We go into it because we are being responsible. We are, you know, want to be responsible parents, responsible spouses. Mm-hmm. So um, stay tuned for the the next show that we will do on contraception and get more clarification there. All right. Um, the next one would be homosexual acts. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, a very controversial issue today. But uh, why is a con- is a homosexual act considered a misuse of the gift of sexuality? Now, we're not talking about the homosexual person. We're talking about the act. Okay, mm-hmm. So a homosexual act, can it be freely entered into?
1: Yes. Yes, it can.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is it a total gift of self? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a tough one because people yeah. <laughs> can say, but I love this person and I'm totally committed to them. And now because we actually have – you know, civil marriage for, for same sex couples, they can say, well, we are committed. So it is a total gift of self, but it really isn't a total gift of self because even though emotionally we could be committed to another person physically, it is not that total gift simply because the body parts are not there, right? It is not. The same reflection as it would be between a man and a woman in the complementarity Mm -hmm. that is there. So freely given, yes, total gift of self, certainly not in the physical sense. And we are talking about the physical act here. We are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Is it faithful? People could say certainly it's faithful, Mm -hmm. especially if they're in a marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. as as the culture would call it. Um, And is it fruitful? no a homosexual act can never be fruitful and so therefore a homosexual act is a misuse of the gift of our sexuality too but notice all of these are a misuse of that gift we're not saying that one is worse than the other Mm -hmm. they're all a misuse and they are all sinful in that context yes and then the last one which is a little bit different but because it is such an epidemic today is um pornography people will say well I'm not hurting anybody by watching pornography, you know. It's it's just whatever I want to do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, let's look at why that would be an affront. Because um, te- so many times um, when people are viewing pornography, masturbation can become a part of that as well. So freely entered into, yep. I would say so. Yes, is it a total gift of self? No, you can't give no. yourself to to an image. Or you know something that's not really there in flesh and blood mm-hmm. with you. Um, is it faithful? No, I don't not think a so. Person. No, you can't commit to someone. You know, and is it fruitful? It would never be fruitful. Mm-hmm. No, nope. So um, these are just some of the issues. But I find that it's a lot easier sometimes to, you know, just make it simple. And of course, they're all very deep and complex, but on the surface, it's important to understand why the church teaches as it does on these things. Because again, the church is there to protect us and also to protect that beautiful gift of our sexuality that it's used properly within the boundary that God created, which is marriage. So whenever there is a question, I think the best thing is to really try to educate ourselves Mm -hmm. and we can always use the, you know, the, four-legged stool free total faithful and fruitful to right. to um understand why and it's important that we understand why
1: absolutely so. yeah and that's right. so simple to remember just yeah stool those that's four right. words and
0: that's right you can really get a lot of clarity out of that that's right so, so anyway i guess for for today that's going to be a wrap <laughs> and uh, we thank you for joining us and we'll see you <laughs> next time on naked without shame